This is Cleantech Talk, Cleantechnica's podcast series interviewing cleantech leaders from around the world. This episode is being sponsored by Pono Home. All right, we're here with Scott Cooney for this episode of Cleantech Talk. Scott Cooney is the main owner of the company holding uh, Cleantechnica and also founded and main owner of uh, Pono Home, a home energy efficiency company. But he's always an ideas man, as an entrepreneur, ecopreneur, and he had a, had a great idea for, for Apocaloptimist. So Scott, can you explain what Apocaloptimist is and what you envision achieving with it? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Zach. And um, yeah, just really stoked to be here and be on the, be on the show and been listening to you for a while. It's, we've obviously been working together for a long time and just, yeah, really impressed with your with the podcast, how far it's come and uh, a lot of the folks you're interviewing. I'm, I'm just having a, a great time listening to so many of your interviews and learning so much still, you know, I just, I live and breathe this world, but I, I still, I learn so much from you and from clean technical all the time. And, uh, it's really just, it's a blessing to be a part of for sure. So it's, yeah, it's funny. There's, I mean, when the site started, you know, we tried to obsessively cover everything. And now, I mean, I do, I wasn't here when it started, but I was here about a year after that started. And now it's just, there's so much happening in clean tech. There's like, you always have to really narrow your focus and you just uh, like, I can't even read or follow everything on clean technica. I can't, I definitely can't follow topics. I used to follow really obsessively because you just have to sort of narrow and deepen your dive. Uh, you've obviously done that with home energy efficiency, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a great ride so far so happy happy to keep putting out content for all kinds of clean tech enthusiasts yeah definitely and it, it's great that we have a great team you know Derek and Kyle and, and Andrea and just the whole crew just doing such a great job you know promoting and writing and, and taking stuff off your shoulders so that you can do more and focus on bigger things so it's great to see it grow so really excited for it and the Apocaloptimus is very much like, it's, it's basically in line with the whole theme of Clean Technica, which is about inspiring and, and, and engaging. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think um, it's, there's, I, I wrote a recent post called Can Amazon.com Save the Amazon? And my first sort of statement there is climate anxiety is real. You know, we, we are, a lot of us are feeling it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I tend to be an optimistic person. So I, I'm always seeing well, there's bad news out there, but there's also really good news. There's also really amazing things happening. And I know that's one thing that you and I have always shared, and that's where Clean Technica really excels and where it comes from. And you know, I remember the reader survey where so many people were like, I, I read Clean Technica because it is inspiring and it's, it just fills me with hope, but there's a better future and we're moving towards it. And those are, those are great stories. And we need to keep that momentum going so that people don't feel just overwhelmed. So really, the Apocaloptimist kind of came about as a way to, to, to show people like we're not alone. There's millions and millions of people around the world working on solutions to every problem uh, and that we're making progress on all of them. And, and sure, if you, if you focus on some of the, the big, you know, gnarly things that are happening, it can, it can be overwhelming very quick. But if you focus on, you know, what's right in front of you and what you can actually do within your sphere of influence you know, we can all make a difference. We all can do much bigger things, but if we get lost in the, in the weeds, then we're just, you know, we're, we won't do anything and the neighbor won't do anything and somebody else won't do anything. And that, that adds up to a, a lot of passivity. And, uh, I much prefer 
active resistance and active building of something, some better future. Yeah, you are a doer. You you are an active active doer. Uh, we try to populate our team with those those kind of people. But you know, before Clean Technica, I was obsessively covering climate science on Planet Save and and talk about. I mean, when you say get into the weeds, that's really what happens a lot in the climate science. Uh, uh, journalism world and and it's just really de- it's depressing you know uh, and so when we when I started getting I got pushed to clean technica because I was writing a little bit about solar and when you start writing about the solutions and and how they're growing it just uh, it is it lifts you up in a way that's I mean, it's hard to explain. I, I think you, you've said it well, but it's, it's basically like you go from this passive deflated feeling to this, okay, we have this humongous challenge, but it feels good to be working on the solutions, talking about the solutions. So it's definitely been a lot of fun. And I think that's what helped Clean Technica grow so much. As, as you said, early surveys, we did reader surveys year after year. And I had like an open-ended question, why do you read Clean Technica? And like the half or majority of people would say something like it inspiring it inspires me it's you know people really need that in order to move every day so i like that you want to do this again with a with a podcast uh, series about this can you speak a little bit more about what specific topics you would then cover or or how you would um frame things to try to get people out of that depressed passive mode into like an active doing mode yeah sure so the the basic format's going to be basically um, a little bit of a discussion of news. So I'll introduce a few things that have been happening that week that maybe people haven't seen that are game-changing, cool, either new technologies or uh, social movements or, or just big picture things. Um, an island banning plastics or a country moving towards 100% renewable energy and you know a city making a commitment to um, electri- electrify their transportation or something along those lines. So, you know, just good news stories that are that are literally happening all the time. I mean, just this within, I think within the last two years, we've seen this exponential growth in people being awake. I, I think the, the problems have finally made mainstream. And I, and I think all, all this shouting from the rooftops that we've been doing as in the environmental community for 25, 30, 40 years, I mean, just has finally really started to catch on and and you're and you're starting to see all these things happen so it'll start with some news about cool things that are happening um, and hopefully the idea there is that people can take that news and a be motivated by it, by it but b learn some best practices that maybe they can take back if they're a city planner or if they're an entrepreneur or if there's something they can they can kind of take an idea from one of these other stories and kind of implement it where they are and just spread these great ideas. And then they'll transition into an interview. So I'll bring somebody on for every show and basically just, you know, walk through what they're doing, how they're making a difference, that sort of thing. I've already recorded a couple of interviews uh, with energy efficiency entrepreneurs and a handful of other people. And so those will be my first couple of interviews that I'll, that I'll splice in. And bottom line is that there's, as I said, millions of people working on all the problems that we have, and they're making tangible, quantifiable differences that just don't make headlines. So I want to tell these people's stories and, and talk with them. There will be some clean tech involved, of course, but there will also be sustainable agriculture, reforestation, carbon mitigation, carbon sequestration, plastic uh, alternatives, you know, just the great waste management ideas, that sort of thing. So alligator, real- re- 
alligator wrestling, right? What was that was in there, right? No. <laughs> no, that's really that's awesome. It sounds like a really inspiring uh, and motivating kind kind of exercise. Yeah, I mean, I I think the scale of the problem because it continues to feel stro- bigger than the progress. We we continue to have this challenge, but at the same time, it is motivating more and more people. We can see people on our who joined our team, our writing team, even who came to the action more recently, and and you know we've got all kinds of all kinds of people in the population being pulled into solar or electric vehicles or or no plastics or, or different things I think in the past few years as you said there's there's been kind of a, a sprouting of that do you have any thoughts on why that is at the moment do you think it's I mean what are your thoughts on why that seems to be really sprouting at the moment in, across some of these fields well you know I, I think a lot of it is social media and and particularly videos. Um, I, I know out here in Hawaii, we, we have a, a major problem with the Pacific gyre, all the plastic trash that's floating around in the Pacific Ocean. The beaches on the, the eastern side of all the islands, which is what we refer to as the windward side, which is consistently the wind and the, and the currents are kind of coming from that direction. They're constantly just inundated with plastic waste and microplastics all the way up to big old honking plastic icebergs floating up on our beaches, tying themselves to our reefs. It's, it's really become front and center out here in Hawaii is the plastic issue. And I distinctly recall a year and a half, two years ago, there was a uh, video that came out with a turtle that had a straw in its nose. It was a sea turtle. And it went viral. And I just, all these plastic straw bands, just boom, 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 started happening everywhere. And when I originally, you know, three, four years ago, I was like, God, I just, we can't even get rid of plastic straws. It's so crazy within just this last year, almost every restaurant here has transitioned and it's, there's paper straws everywhere. And that's, 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 I mean, Hawaii is special. Hawaii is obviously like quite progressive, but that's, that's been happening in Florida too in the past, I would say. And, and Japan, we've heard, had reports from around. So it's like, it's a weird, it's like, wow, these paper straws are popping up everywhere all of a sudden. Like, not like it, not like it was a brilliant, I mean, it was a brilliant invention, but it was not like rocket science. It's like, just make straws out of paper. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's, so anyway, that, that's just one example, but it, it just, I feel like that the, the, the mindset shift has really come from a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, you in particular, I mean, the, the way that we, we did that Tesla factory tour video opened so many people's eyes to what Tesla really is. It's so, and, so funny. Cause that was like the most, that was like, we, we, we had this whole tour lined up. We were going to write about it. We asked them at the last second because our video guy was like, Hey, I could go from Amsterdam. And we're like, uh, I don't know if they're going to let us film, you know? And then, at the, you know, we're like, we asked, can we film? And they're like, uh, do you have a record of filming stuff? We're like, uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> then we, we, we got, we got there and they let us film the whole day basically. Amazing. And, uh, we got this amazing content and Kyle and I wrote a lot of articles about it that we, you know, put a lot of time into really thought were great articles but it's really the videos i think that were the gem of it uh, and uh, and we're supposed to go do a tour well anyway i'll skip that for later but I, I think that's fascinating what you mentioned about videos because well we obviously cover tesla obsessively we're a top you know elon fo- follows us and tweets us like several times a week his mom follows us she follows like 17 accounts on twitter one of us puts like almost all her kids and her kids stuff and <laughs> technica is one of the things she follows and we've been just obsessively following it covering it for years and it just happened totally uncoordinated 
you received a Model 3 six six days ago, I think, or and I received one two days ago. And it's just, it's that wave. But what I was thinking about with this was, I found out fairly recently that despite all of our coverage and how much we're followed by Elon, his mom, all these people, how much uh, we're recommended as an article source, it's these YouTubers that dominate when it comes to like referrals and stuff. Like these, there's a handful of like Tesla YouTubers and they just, they get so many referrals because for whatever reason, people watch a lot of videos and then they're just really influenced by the videos and they really feel, I guess, connected to the people behind them. So I, I, I thought it's really interesting that you pull up videos as sort of a monumental catalyst for it. It is. It's, it's a huge catalyst. And I, I think in particular with new technologies and that sort of thing, people just need to see how, how it's going to look. So I think with, the, with Tesla and all the electric vehicles, I think that's a, that's a huge part. The, the plastic trash thing, there was a, a guy out here recently giving a talk who swam from Japan to Hawaii, just literally swam. Uh, and he had a, a, a boat you know, guiding him along and they, um, they dragged a line under him the whole time so that he could see which direction he was swimming. And he was just basically following this line, this basically like a fishing line in front of him. And they videoed. And the, the amount of plastic trash that they saw swimming, they said from the moment they left Japan, they saw plastic all the way through to the, to the landing in Hawaii. Plastic, plastic, plastic. Wow. That's video like, Yeah. That's video like, you, how can you, how can anyone unsee that? You can't unsee that, you know, and, and so I think the idea is that when you write an article, people can always be like, well, I wonder if he meant this and, you know, his grammar wasn't perfect there. So he's probably not the smartest guy. That's usually what happens to me in my articles. And, it, and the, the writing is always abstract. It's always something you have to, it's abstract. You have to visualize it. I mean, even if you have pictures, they're static, right? So it's, it's a creation. Whereas a video, it's just a video. You're looking at something. It's like, well, there it is. There's a bunch of plastic in the water. So I, I do, I think, I, th I think all that stuff, combine all that, throw that all into a mix and, and just this, um, this, this awakening is happening. It really is. And I, and I got to give, you know, let's give credit where it's due. Donald Trump is responsible for a lot of this. Like that guy is such a buffoon. He has pushed us so far into some such silly things, but so many people have revolted against him. And you're, you're probably too young to remember this, Zach, but in the 80s, the same thing happened under Ronald Reagan when he started stripping down all these environmental protections, when he, you know, just the EPA was just getting stripped down and just, you know, the, the environmental movement got a huge shot in the arm in terms of donations and memberships. And people were just like, well, the government's doing nothing. It's up to us. Yeah, I almost, I almost brought up the point about Trump earlier, and I was like, I don't know if Scott wants me to go there. I, I will go there too easily and too strongly. But I was going to bring up when you were talking about the the moment. A lot has changed. I was going to bring up AOC too because Alexandria Ocasio Cortez because she's just. I mean, I think she's like what, sort of a one-in-a-generation one kind of communicator. She's brilliant. It's so intelligent and just superb at communicating in a way that's obviously authentic, touches people, super smart and, and thorough. But I think that, you know, th those kind of things. But they sort of build on each other, right? So you have Trump and then she builds on that. And then you have in the clean tech space, you know, have the solar growth and then the EV the batteries, you know, uh, developed and, and EVs developed from that. And they then they are complementing each other. Now we have the battery storage and it all sort of creates a, you know an ecosystem of change that i think just keeps growing snowballing kind of but regarding yeah so i was just gonna say regarding that maybe you could speak a little bit more too about 
the the energy efficiency space. I really liked the recent article you wrote about one one dollar one cent kilowatt hour clean energy. But you know, maybe tie that in a bit too with with this kind of general theme of apocaloptimism, apocaloptimism, <laughs> and uh, and, and action and, and change. Absolutely, yeah, and and it's a it's a great case study for it because you know when you when you get to a point where you can do projects that are clean tech oriented that pay for themselves in such a short period of time, then it's it, it really is like a freight train leaving the station. It's you you can't really stop clean tech at this point, no matter how much you know the fossil barons will continue to try. They can they can slow it down a little bit, but but it's it's unstoppable. We're gonna get to 100% renewable. We're gonna get to 100% renewable transportation. You know, it, we're going to get there. It's just a matter of when. And I think the the big thing that gives me a lot of hope is the economics and straight up free market economics. Subsidies aside, tax incentives aside. I mean, you and I just bought a Tesla. Looking at the long-term ownership costs of those of the of that car was like an economic decision that was easy for me to make. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was. I mean, it was. Frankly, we had a we had a used electric vehicle we loved and all, but it was really this this economic potential economic benefit of it that was a top seller for us. That and safety. I mean, the other thing is these products just yeah. keep getting better. And this the car by far the safest, best safety score ever by the National Highway Transportation Safety Association. Nearly number one in the European system, testing system, which is a bit different. And it's just, you know, when you have two kids or even with yourself, but I mean, having a five-year-old and a three-year-old, I was just like, every day I'm thinking... This is the safest car. I'm driving a sort of a sort of a toy car. Like the BMW i3 is a really fun little car, but it's like a little bit of a toy car. <laughs> it's like and you yeah. just and I've had accidents in the past few years and it's just like you just constantly think, well, I would never forgive myself if I was driving a car that wasn't at least, you know, if I can drive the safest car, it's a smart economic decision, you know, it just makes sense. But then you have that with EVs now, now really hitting the mainstream with Model 3, of course, we've written all about it. Uh, solar increasingly competitive, but energy efficiency is still this weird black swan. Like, yeah, like what is going on with energy efficiency, right? And, and look, here's the thing, you know, many years ago when you and I were working together on Clean Technica and I, and I said, hey, Zach, I, I have this idea. It's crazy, but the energy efficiency model needs to be needs to be blown up. There there needs to be more work done in the energy efficiency space. It's the payback period is just too good. The the business actually, model. Actually, what you said was, "Hey Zach, I got to show you something." <laughs> and he pulled out a duffel bag. And you started pulling shit out of the duffel bag. You started pulling out light bulbs, and I don't even know what I didn't. Even, I think I didn't even know at the time like half the stuff you were pulling out of there. So, but yeah, so so you, the more the more academic argument you're making is uh, is is what you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. I also had a lot of fun with it, but yes, the the idea of you know the the economics of the energy efficiency was just so easy that I figured a business, getting a business started around that would not take too much to sell. So it's like, let's go out and sell some homeowners and do some energy efficiency for their homes in a, in a different way. And historically, it had been done in some ways and it was pretty heavy handed. So I said, you know, there's, there's no 800 pound gorilla in this space. There's a lot of room. So I figured let's get something started. So anyway, yeah. So as probably some, some people know, I started this company called Pono Homes back in 2014 doing energy efficiency for homes. And now I've been doing it for five years. Thanks so much to you for taking over Clean Technica and allowing me to, uh, to move on and, 
and and you, you know mean, you mean letting me be the boss yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> hard the boss. I, well it is hard there's a lot of pressure that it gets put on you, but, it, is. but it, it's also a responsibility good. and you've done an amazing job at it and and i and i will tell you to to your face or uh, i guess over podcast that i give you credit all the time for this people i get interviewed about phone home i you know people talk about it how did you start this what what got you this idea all this and i'm always like well first i had to find zach that was <laughs> step you can't one. See, I have a giant smile on my face. I'm so happy to hear it. Like it's just warming to the heart to to hear. I, I mean, I yeah, I know you give me credit many times, but I, I never really thought about it in that way. Like exactly. like if like if you had felt like you had to run the show day to day, you wouldn't have had the time or or. But exactly. but I mean, frankly, we I think we both got sort of we sort of. I mean, honestly, I I've told this story not that many times recently, but I, there were basically like seven different things that forced me into this job and position. Like it was like one thing after another that I would not have made the decision on my own and I got sort of pushed into it. So it ended up like, you know, quite serendipitously. But but it's really like it fits my personality. It fits my my whole history academically and career-wise. So And I think, that, again, the Pono Home thing, I mean, you were great in this field as well, but I'm no... No, no joke. No, this is, I mean, you're really amazing. Uh, I've told you many times, I wish you would write more for us because you're such an amazing writer, but you are such a doer. And it's like, I've worked with you. You're so much about, let's optimize this, figure this out, implement, you know, do, 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 do. And then you're always looking for like, uh, how do we improve this? How do we fix, you know, fix this or improve this, make this more efficient. And it's, a di- and it's, yeah. And it's a different process, but it's what you've built. And I'm, I'm sure like, I haven't seen it, but I can visualize it with Pona Home that I'm sure you did that with thing after thing after thing with like 150 things until you've got this great model. So anyway, yeah, I'll let you talk about your company instead of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I think we, we've worked really well together. You know, uh, yes, there was there was a lot of kismet involved. There was a lot of luck involved, but also you're a, a doer too and, and such a hard worker. I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody who works as hard as you do. So the, the credit is like 90% in hard work and 10, 10% that inspiration, ideas, kismet, luck, whatever. But so much of it is just hard work. So you, you've really done it. I mean, I, I tell people this, like when, when I, you know, transitioned out of Clean Technica in, in a leadership role, I don't know where our readership was, maybe at a million a month. I don't, I don't know. But the literally, you took over. The thing has just been growing like crazy. We hit almost seven million. What two months ago? Is yeah, we we I think we passed seven million a few times this year. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's I mean, Astounding. the Astounding. funny thing is like every day of the past decade, I'm like scared of traffic dropping. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just constantly focused on like how you got how you got to get, get better. Like you said, you know, doing and trying to trying to find. So so, so we definitely focus on that. But it's it's just a hard and it's a hard industry i mean it's not really an industry you go into to make make money and uh, it's like but it's a passion we've and what i think one of our secret sauces has been we've just we've continually spotted and brought into the fold people who were passionate really dug deep into topics like that's you know you just spot someone who really wrote well dug deep into topics analyzed things really well and we say, hey, do you want to write with us? And we, we kept bringing in more and more of them. And it took away my time to write. But it really, I think, is what made the site great is because uh, we've got a really a, a breadth of different types of deep analytical voices. Yeah. Uh, but the home energy efficiency thing, the thing we talked about with the home energy efficiency thing before that I think is fascinating is you could like you could put a study a one page simple summary in front of someone saying, hey, you do this in your home and you will save five hundred dollars a year or whatever. 
And they will look at that and be like, oh, that would be great. 10%. <laughs> okay, sorry. <Whatever. laughs> you, you know the number. But, you know, something, some really, you know, good good return on investment, like a superb return on investment. And then they'll put the paper on, on in the drawer and forget about it. You know, it's like, and you just really, it's like this dilemma with energy efficiency is you can tell people, you can educate all day, but how do you get people to make changes? So what's been your special solution for that? And I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but your special solution for that for that kind of problem. Yeah, so so a, a big part of my journey here with uh, with the the Pona Home Home Efficiency Solution was a, a talk I went to way back in I think 2012 or 2013, where this guy who's this energy efficiency researcher and and social movements change like psychology researcher from um, from Canada, some some uh, professor from Canada came and gave a talk here uh, at the University of Hawaii and was was discussing how people people like even if they're fully aligned mentally they're on board they're really wanting to do something there are a million reasons why they won't and it it is really astounding that even with simple things uh people just can't somehow get past the inertia of doing something different or trying something or whatever it there was a one study he cited where they um uh in Colorado they they subsidized uh, energy audits, full blower door home energy audits. Uh, they subsidized them, so they're basically free. Um, they promoted them. A bunch of people did them, and then the reports would come out, and it'd be like, "This is you know no brainer, six month payback period. Here's what to do." And once the blower door test had been paid for, the the rest of the work was pretty easy, and then the return on investment, and the you know investment in your home, and the comfort level, and the warmth, and all that kind of stuff. It was just it was off the charts easy, such an easy decision. And uh, something like three percent of people actually acted on the results of those audits. And yeah, it's wild, wild. I mean, that's just wild. It's like it's unreal. It's unreal. And so so my thing with Pono Home was like just do it for people. Just just bundle sustainability as a service. And we, you know, off, I often joke with the people who try to raise money from time to time for Pono Home and the investors I talk to, uh, you know, they're always interested in software as a service. So I, I joke about SaaS a lot. I'm like, we're a SaaS company. Um, but we, we really are sustainability as a service. And so we go into people's homes, we do these free audits, we put the proposal in front of them. And then we're like, look, we're going to fix your toilet leak. We're going to optimize all the settings on your AC and on your solar water heater. And you know, teach you how to set up the timer on this. And we're going to, you know, install a bunch of LEDs here. And we're going to take care of all this. We're gonna clean out the, the dryer vent and do all these things and just do it for you. And here's one price and made it such that it was our average invoice is about $500 very inexpensive. It's super easy. We don't do the big blower door tests. I know that's a good thing to do, but that tends to get in the way because it's, it's an invasion of the home. You have to seal up the home. People have to vacate for a bit. It's, it's, that's really interesting. That's an interesting, and I know you, you, you've always, you're, this is one of your favorite phrases, don't make the perfect enemy of the good. And I see that's a kind of a situation where you, you looked at it, you said, Hey, this would be better, but people won't want us to do it. So, you know, that's really, that's really smart. So just solve it, make it one, one package, come in and just do the job for people so they don't have to think. They can just write a check for 500 bucks. And the model's been really successful. It's a light retrofit model. It can lead to bigger things in the future, but you really have to like earn the trust of the, the customer first to, to get your foot in the door and, and show them this is not so hard. Like We're going to do this stuff for you. You can trust us. We're going to do something. We're going to drop your bill by 10 to 15% just right away. No problem. It's going to pay for itself in four months. And out here in Hawaii, energy is very expensive. So it does. It pays for itself absurdly fast. 
So as of now, we have a team of uh, 12 people uh, with Pono Home. We have retrofitted over 10,000 homes in the islands of Hawaii, all across the islands on every island except Niihau, which is a really, really tiny island to the west of um, Hawaii. So we, we've really done a number out here in Hawaii doing energy efficiency work. The Hawaii Energy is our state energy conservation program. They have a bunch of engineers and they have worked with me to uh, do a measurement and verification. So we've actually tracked data showing the drop in electricity use. We have done other uh, measurement and verification with uh, our military partner where they've, they've tracked water use. And we've seen between the water and the energy that we're saving in these homes, the payback periods are on average about three months. And it, it is just so insanely easy. So this is a, a model that I, I truly believe in. I think we're going to scale and it has real impact. Again, this is a story that doesn't make headlines, but doing these 10,000 homes, we're saving about 150 million gallons of water a year. We're well over 12 million pounds of CO2 that we're, have just, poof, just reduced. And the, you know, the amount of money, we're saving about $2.2 million dollars for people in a low income tax or a low income bracket out here in the state of Hawaii, we did a program with the state to do some low income housing work. That money is crucial money to people who are living paycheck to paycheck. And so those are the folks we, we served, a lot of Section 8 folks, the public housing authority, stuff like that. And I, it just, it feels so good. It feels so good. So, so again, coming back to the apocalyptimist, these, these are the types of stories that I want to tell. I want to get these stories out. I want to promote them and really dive a little deep on them and kind of say, you know, how, how do we get to this point? What's the problem here? Where's the solution? What have you done? And, and just hearing a story like what I just told nobody, Zach, nobody's ever heard of me. Like I, I'm, you know, I, I think everybody knows, everybody knows clean Technica, but Dude, no, it's funny. Knows it's Let's, funny to me. Cause you know, I go to, I've been going to charging stations for ages and, and I see Tesla drivers all over the place and almost nobody like recognizes me. Right. And, and, and I'll talk to them for like a while. And then often what will happen is like after like 15 minutes, that story will come up that they'll mention. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was our story. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so it's like it's it's funny, but it's really hard to get into. I mean, there's too much information. There's so much going on. But but it's uh, but no, it's like you said, it's a real impact that matters. The really funny thing that just came to mind, too, is, you know, you're kind of going into the home door to door approach. That's what Solar City was doing. That's what a number of big solar companies were doing. Some of them still are. And uh, I just met someone yesterday, first charging day with the Model 3, and there's a Tesla, another Model 3 guy, and he he had worked at Tesla for seven years, just recently left, and he told me about, we talked for like an hour, we're going to have a long series actually with him about like the behind the scenes of Tesla. But when he first came down here, he was like one of like a small number of salespeople in 2012, like right when the Model 3 was about to arrive or was arriving. And he was going door to door with a Tesla and an iPad, nice. and just like showing people the car and being like, do you want to order one? And I was like, whoa, that's how you start. I never heard that before. That's how they were doing sales, like just going door before the George Blankenship uh, launched the, the the Tesla stores on the back of, you know, the Apple stores that he had launched. So it's just, again, like kind of situation where at a certain stage, you have to just go into people's like face or home and, yes. and give them the solution. I think the bottom line, I, I always talk about this, that, that um, our whole economy is really built on convenience. You know, it's 7-Eleven and totally. you know, all that stuff. And it, why would we expect sustainability to be any different? As entrepreneurs, we need to tap into convenience. 
we need to, you know, it's, it's great. We tell this amazing story. You know, our companies are green America certified green businesses and we can put that on our marketing materials and that's, that's all fine, well, and good. But if we're not right in front of that customer when they're trying to make a purchase, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. I've given presentations for years on, on EV benefits and I've focused most of the time on two big benefits, fun and convenience. And I give these 45, it can be 15 minute or 45 minute or an hour long presentations centered around how tech transition, transition after tech transition is sort of based around fun and convenience. And that's like, well, that's how people should be talking about EVs, I think, uh, for that reason. But, but anyway, just the general topic, we've told a couple of stories here, like two and a half stories maybe about like people going out, doing, making change. And it's really awesome that you're aiming here is then going to be tell hundreds or thousands of stories of people each doing their own thing every day to make make the change i'm sure you know people who subscribe who listen week after week are just going to come away you know same similar to the clean technical where you're going to have an inspiration that okay things are happening change is happening we have a big you know big challenges but people are working on it so i think that's a really valuable valuable thing happy to happy to see you launching another uh, probably too much you you know you're always doing too much but <laughs> if it's fun i'm sure i'm sure you'll you'll do well oh it, it's it's gonna be a good time for sure <laughs> so the um so I'll, I'll probably wrap up like every every apocalyptic podcast i actually want to get some audience participation as well and so what i'm going to do is i'm actually going to have a way for people to record questions so it said the website's actually apocalyptic.net it's already set up and uh, people on, they can click on the contact link there and record their questions as an MP3 just on their computer with QuickTime Player or whatever, record it and then submit it. And then, you know, based on how many I'm getting and that sort of thing, if I have good answers to some of these questions, I'll play them. Um, I'm also going to encourage people to leave their phone number. And if they have a really intricate, interesting question, I might call them and have them onto the show. So there will be the main interview with some change maker, somebody doing something cool. And then there'll be some audience participation after that to wrap up the show. And I really, part of it is that I just want to, you know, it, one voice is great. Two voices is great. But if you listen to the Apocaloptimist and you're like, wow, you know, Scott just told us about some cool news that's happening. And then he interviewed a, a change maker in the field. And then four or five people called in and were like, hey, you know, our, our school just planted this, you know, garden and we're growing all this stuff and we're teaching all these kids how to grow food. And, you know, we've got carbon sequestration going on right here. And it's like literally farm or it's like garden to school cafeteria style food. And we're just like moving, you know, those are the kinds of stories and they're happening everywhere. And I want people to have 30 seconds to like talk about it and be like, hey, here's our website. Um, check it out if you want to make a donation or if you want to just see what we're doing. Here's here's some um, some photos and a video, whatever. And that's I think that's how a great idea spread. I love it. I totally agree. Obviously, this is the field I'm in, so I, I think it's valuable. So thank you for well, thank you for launching or, or talking about Apocaloptimus on Clean Tech Talk. We obviously will have a lot of fun collaboration potential crossover, but it, I think really fills a nice niche. You know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. I don't know anything doing what you talk about what you talked about. But, uh, but wait, the nice thing in front of me were four EVs were just charging. Two Chevy Bolts, a Chevy Spark EV, and, a te- and my Tesla Model 3. So it's, it's nice to see the, you know, the sprouts. But I think really highlighting those more and more, especially the stuff that's not so visible, like, you're, like it sounds like you're going to do, is going to be really interesting and fun. Uh, so thank, 
thank you again. And we'll say to our listeners, check in again next week for uh, to get your electric fix, another episode of Clean Tech Talk. And of course, uh, thank you to our, our sponsors. And if anyone would like to be a sponsor, we're always open for highlighting more good clean tech companies. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Zach. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix.